0: We'll share in the reading of Matthew 5:33 through 48. In your Bibles in front of you, it's page 10:12 if you would like to get it at this time. Relationships and Enemies. You have heard that it was said, Eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, What are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. May he bless this holy word.
1: wrapping up our series on relationships and we've come quite a ways we've done this series because we believe that relationships are important to god they're important to us they're kind of what makes the world go around they uh, you know we decide the quality of our life to a large degree based on the quality of our relationships with other people everybody does that and so why not take some time and look at how jesus did relationships what he taught us about relationships, and figure out how we can get better at our relationships, whether that be friends, whether that be romantic relationships, whether that be a parenting relationship. And so we've looked at a variety of relationships through this series, and you can go back and listen to any that you may have missed on cypressstreet.org and catch up. But today we finish up with probably the toughest one of all, Enemies. And probably you all think you know what this sermon is, and maybe in a way you do. But I hope and my prayer is that you'll get touched by this in a personal way that will challenge you, as much as I think this challenged the people that Jesus spoke to when he spoke these words about enemies. You know, we've, the principle we've based this on, we've said that the people of this world, right, they... Base relationships on what profits themselves. But Jesus taught us that the people of the kingdom do it different. We regard relationships as a means to profit others. Now, could this possibly apply to our enemies? I've got a, a confession to make. I recently uh, made an enemy. Now, the thing is, I'm not sure that they know that they're my enemy yet. But if I find out exactly who they are, then they're gonna, they might just find out. All right. This uh, all I know so far is that this enemy of mine is three or four years old, and uh, was mean to my daughter at preschool. That's that's all I know so far. Now. <laughs> Miss Barbara teaches my daughter's class, and she was kind enough. She's kind enough to keep me kind of informed on what's going on, you know, behind the scenes. And but she's wise enough not to tell a dad any names. And uh, she doesn't go on my enemies list because you know she's just doing her job first of all, and she obviously loves my kid. And so anyone who loves my kid automatically exempt from the enemies list. All right, but. Apparently, there was some meanness going on. Now, what cracked me up about this whole scenario is, is she's telling me this, and, and the logical part of my brain is saying, Yeah, you know, that's preschool drama, just innocent preschool behavior. The instinctual dad part of me is saying, Innocent, my foot. <laughs> mess with my daughter. This is really kind of the, it was just funny to me because it was kind of the first time that that instinct kicked into me because I don't remember a time where anyone was mean. I mean, why would you be mean to my daughter, right? It's just as sweet as you can be. And so, uh, you know, (laughs) it's the first time I can remember anyone being mean to have, so it's the first time I felt that dad feeling, you know, the defensiveness kick in, just the emotional reaction even though I knew there was nothing to this situation, I just couldn't help but feel a little bit like, Show me this kid. We'll put a stop to this right now. <laughs> so, every dad in the room can relate to that. You don't mess with our wives. You don't mess with our kids. And certainly not our daughters, right? And so, that's uh, kind of how it is. But, but, you know, how about you? Do you have any enemies? Any real enemies? <laughs> all right? I, we all have enemies. Everybody on the face of this planet has it. For some of you, it's real easy. And you can name off two or three names like that, you know, of enemies. You've got faces coming to your mind as I say the word enemy. But for others of us, we don't think in those terms, you know, I mean, there's people we don't get along with as well or whatever, but we wouldn't necessarily call them an enemy, you know, we're not going to get in a fist fight with them or anything like that. You know, we're pretty peaceable people and there's not really anyone we'd call an enemy. So let me just kind of help us out for a second. An enemy could be a person. That's the obvious one. It could be, you know, a coworker with whom you have either overt or, or covert conflict. You know, we we've, we've all had a coworker at some point, someone we had to work with, but uh, there's just tension in the air. Just you just butted heads. You didn't get along. An enemy could be. Um, a sibling, or a mother-in-law, or you know, whoever, someone in your family. That happens. The people that that we're supposed to love, sometimes there's some kind of rivalry, or just a personality clash, and someone in your family becomes an enemy. It could be an ex, whatever, you know, ex-boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife. There's a long list of people that it could be for you but it can be a person but an enemy can also be a people plural it can be I mean you're born in America you're born with enemies there are people in this world that are your enemy just because you're American there's people in our country that are your enemy just because you're American I mean, you, you, if you take sides politically, you've got enemies. If you root for a sports team, you've got enemies. If you go to a certain school, you probably have a rival school, and, and they're your enemies, and, and the jocks and the geeks are all enemies, and the gangsters are everybody's enemy, right? We've got enemies can be a people. One way of, of thinking of this that can help you think about, you know, who are the enemies in my life? Think about the people that you wouldn't want to greet in public. Who is it that if you saw them in public, you know, it's more than just they're a stranger. I mean, you nice to strangers, you can wave, you can say hi, you can hold a door. Who is it when you see them in public, this type of person... You don't really want to greet him. You don't really want to be nice to him. You don't want to really help him out. When Jesus taught on enemies, this section we read just a few minutes ago, there was a common face in the minds of everyone listening to him. And the guy's name was Caesar. This is a denarius denarius. This is a coin they would have carried around in their purses because they didn't have pockets and wallets. And uh, funny thing is, that Caesar's name is Tiberius. How would you like to have a Tiberius denarius? <laughs> Alright? <laughs> and so they had Tiberius denariuses. And every one of them could not stand what this guy represented. Not only did they have his face in mind, they had the face of his soldiers in mind that were invading, had invaded their land that God had given them. They had the faces of his officials in mind, they had the faces of their comrades who had turned over to the Romans in their mind. Those people in their face every day were a constant reminder that they were not their own nation. And it stung. The Romans, the Romans didn't like the Jews. They were a thorn in Rome's side. And the Jews certainly didn't like the Romans. They were an abomination defiling everything holy in God's holy land just by their presence. To say that there was tension in the air would have been an understatement. I mean, that was the governor's job. The pressure was on the Roman governor to keep peace and the pressure was on the Jewish leaders to try and keep peace unless Rome decided to send in a whole bunch more soldiers and just wipe them out, which eventually pretty well happened. So the tension was thick in the air and Jesus begins to teach. This teaching that we find in Matthew is also found elsewhere. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. It's famous. Scholars sometimes disagree on whether this was given all in one setting like a sermon like we think of a sermon or whether this is like a greatest hits of Jesus' teachings kind of compiled for us, a compilation but either way, it's not an accident that the authors that describe this teaching describe it as involving a mountain. In fact, Luke, when you read in his, describes Jesus coming down off the mountain and teaching. And it's, for a Jewish person, that invokes in their mind Moses, right? Coming down off the mountain with the law. And that's interesting because what Jesus does here has a lot to do with Moses and the law. See, first off, he starts talking about the Beatitudes, is what we call them. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall inherit the kingdom. Blessed are the so forth and so on. Then he talks for a moment about salt and light, how we should be the people that flavor the earth and illuminate the darkness in this world. And then he talks about Moses. He says, I didn't come to abolish the law of Moses, but to fulfill it. That fulfill could also be to complete it, to make it perfect. That's pretty big words when you think about it. Jesus is saying, I'm going to finish up what Moses started. That's a pretty big claim for a Jewish teacher to make. And what he does after that is he begins this series of teachings that go kind of, they all follow the same form. He, he says, you've heard that blank, but I tell you that. And then he offers his radical take on whatever it is that they had assumed to be the case. And he just says, hold on a second. So you've heard it, say, it said uh, not to murder, which is one of the Ten Commandments Moses gave. I tell you if you hate your brother you've already committed murder in your heart. You've heard it said don't commit adultery. I say if you lust after a woman you've already committed adultery with her in your heart. You've heard it say don't divorce. I mean you've heard it said you can divorce and I say you can't divorce. That's what that one did. Because then we talked about how It was common practice in that day to divorce. Men could set their wives aside. We had a whole message on divorce you can go back and listen to in this series that outlines Jesus' teaching on that in depth. Then he says, you've heard it said, you know, that keep your oaths. I say don't even make an oath to start with. Just let your yes be yes and your no be no. And then he comes to these last couple of you've heard it and I say statements and teachings probably the hardest ones of all those difficult teachings for his listeners to hear and to accept maybe it'll be the case for us today too the hardest ones and the first one was you've heard it said eye for eye tooth for tooth now this is taken from the law of Moses like so many of the other things he's been sharing about But this is kind of taken out of context because this law was given as a kind of a judicial guideline that when they were in court and someone was found guilty of a certain kind of crime, they were to pass judgment in this way. You know, if they did this to that person, then that's what would be done to them. But was like a court deciding that. But it had been kind of obviously taken into this is how they dealt with stuff. You know, it was, hey, you did this to me. I'm going to do this to you. All of a sudden now it's personal. And it's about revenge. And Jesus said, You've heard it said, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. And he goes on to actually kind of paraphrase Solomon. Solomon, one of the wisest people in history, and especially in Jewish history, wrote the famous Proverbs of Solomon and this proverb if your enemy is hungry give him food to eat if he's thirsty give him water to drink Solomon says in this way you heap coals on his head you know I mean we've all been there right where we were kind of mean to someone and then they were nice to us and that feeling (laughs) so Solomon points this out in a proverb and years later hundreds of years later Jesus kind of paraphrases Solomon and, and he says all that about you know, if, if he asks you to walk a mile, walk another mile. If he slaps you across the face, offer him the other cheek. If, you, if he asks for your cloak, you know, give him your tunic. Or I may have had that backwards, but all those things that sound very much like what Solomon was saying. It's interesting that he would give those, Jesus would paraphrase it and give... Those examples because what he was doing, he was bringing it current for the people who were listening to him. Did you know that Romans in that day had the power, you know, to impress someone to their service for, like, say, to carry their load for a mile? Then they could find another Jew and have them carry it for a mile, find another one and carry it for. So Jesus says, if they ask you to carry it a mile, go ahead and carry it two for them. You can, it doesn't take much imagination to, to think that this oppressing, you know, these Roman soldiers who were there and, and lording their power, you know how it must have been, right? I mean, they're large and in charge. They've got a chip on their shoulder. The Jews have a chip on their shoulder. Tensions were high. I'm sure that there were times where the Roman kind of took advantage of their status and Hit somebody around a little bit. Jesus says, Offer him your other cheek, too. Now, this is what they're picturing. You know, Jesus is teaching don't resist an evil person. They're thinking of Romans. He gives them these specific examples of, I mean, this is their arch enemy at this time in their history. And Jesus is teaching them. To love even that enemy. Now we need to understand this is not Jesus saying that if there's someone tricky or lazy that's trying to just get your stuff all the time, that you just keep giving them your stuff. Or if there's someone abusive in your life that you just keep letting them beat you around. That's not the point of this passage. And in fact, you could say he's using hyperbole, exaggerating a little bit to get the point across because I don't think he was advocating for nudity in public, which is what would have happened if you just started giving away all your clothes, (laughs) because back then they didn't have a whole lot of layers, so by the time you give away your undergarment and your outer garment (laughs) it doesn't leave much, does it? So, the point though is an attitude correction he saw the attitude that they had toward their enemies the Romans And there was an attitude correction that needed to be had there. And he goes on. And he says, um, let me skip on. He says, you've heard it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That you may be sons of your father in heaven. Love your enemies. Now this, you've heard it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. The love your neighbor part's in the law. The hate your enemy is kind of like probably uh, a little bit of creative license by the teachers of that day who said, well, if we're supposed to love our neighbor, which would be like our fellow Jew, then obviously we hate our enemy. That's the opposite. I mean, you know, it just follows. We love our neighbor, we hate our enemy. And so this was apparently the teaching of that day. And Jesus said, hold on a second. I say, love your enemy too. Not just your neighbor. That last part I think deserves some explanation. Because he said, do this that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Children of your Father in heaven. Now we're used to hearing the Bible talk about us being the children of of God, about us being adopted into his family and becoming co-heirs with Christ. It's part of the salvation experience. We're forgiven and we're adopted by his Holy Spirit into his family. But this is not about achieving a certain relationship. This is not about if you do this, then you'll be a son or a daughter of the king. Because Scripture is also very clear that we don't earn that by our works, right? And so what this is saying is, if you do this, you'll be like your father. I mean, you've heard the expression, of chip off the old block, right? Children, a son is often like his father, a daughter is often like his, her mother. And so, be like your father, And Jesus, you know, the teaching goes on to say, you know, who makes it rain on both the good and the evil? Who blesses the whole earth without regard for who? Be like your father. Be a chip off the old block, as it were. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Man. think he was being serious. I mean how how far does he really expect us to take this? I think you know to some level we have to try and grasp just how badly the people he was speaking to felt about these Romans that he was using as the example to even grasp this because we don't really begin to understand what it would be like to have invasion forces living amongst us and oppressing us, do we? I mean, we can think back in our ancestry to the British thing, you know, and the Revolutionary War and all that, but even that, I mean, first of all, none of us were there, I hope. (laughs) But second of all, even if you were there, you would have been British I mean, I know there were tensions and all that stuff, but those colonists, the vast majority of them, were British. And that's different than being Jewish and having Romans come in. Just their presence was defiling to the holy things of God, the temple, and so forth. Just their being there, much less their being in control, Of what was supposed to be God's nation. And they said Caesar was God. And that it was their nation now. Perhaps if you imagine for a moment what it would be like if someone like Russia or China or ISIS invaded our nation. And began taking over sections of it and leaving military police in the streets to maintain order. And they're walking around with their automatic weapons and their Kevlar watching what you do. It would get pretty tense, wouldn't it? Especially down in the Southland. (laughs) How you would feel towards those people. And Jesus shows up and says what he says. Later, the Apostle Paul summed up what Jesus said in kind of his own words. He was writing to persecuted Christians in Rome. He said things like, If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If it's possible. Because it's not always possible to live at peace with everyone. You could try as hard. I mean, like I said, just your being born where you've been born makes you somebody's enemy. But as far as it concerns you, be at peace with everyone. And he said, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And I think that's such a great summary of Jesus' entire teaching on enemies because the whole world, right, they're playing the game of fighting evil with evil eye for eye, tooth for tooth you mess with me, I'll mess with you because the world's playing the relationship game by saying hey, I'm in this for what benefits me for what profits me and when you live your life that way the people who are trying to hurt you you hurt them back you get even you defend yourself you do what it takes. But when you're living the Jesus way, it's different. And he teaches us not to overcome evil by, with evil. Not to tooth for tooth it, or eye for eye it, but to overcome evil with... Say it. Overcome evil with... Good. Yeah. About sums it up. We're going to sum it up this way. The best way, according to Jesus, to beat an enemy is to bless an enemy. Would you dare to believe him? The best way to beat an enemy is to bless an enemy. This is contradicts human wisdom, does it not? in a big way and this is one of those teachings that we've apparently just decided was crazy talk and we kind of ignore it and we go on and we do our lives the way everyone just makes sense to do it you don't just sit there and take it you get back Jesus says overcome evil with good Do put the wisdom of Solomon into practice, who understood this as well. So if it applied 2,000 years ago to the Jews who couldn't stand the Romans, then I guess it probably applies to us too. I guess it probably applies to those people that you can't stand to that co-worker I guess it probably applies to the Republicans or the Democrats depending on which side of the fence you find yourself the side of the aisle you find yourself on I guess it probably applies to that ex-whatever no matter how ugly it got Probably even applies to Alabama fans. (laughs) Probably. It probably applies to the people that want to tear down everything that you love and hold dear. To the people who are trying to tear down your gun rights. Or marriage. The people who are burning flags. It probably does. The criminals. If it applies to terrorists. Like the Romans were to the Jews. Then it probably applies to terrorists. Some way, shape, or form. Man. And if that's hard, it gets even harder when it's personal. It does. When it's someone who's hurt you. God, you don't, Jesus, you don't understand what this person has done to me, to my life, how they've hurt me. And I can just imagine Jesus saying, did you see what they did to me? Did you see what they did to me? But I showed you. I showed you how and I said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. It gets hard when it's someone that you love that was hurt. You say, God, you don't understand what they did to my child, to my grandchild. But you can hear the father say, did you see what they did to my son? Did you? He's not asking us to do anything that he hasn't done himself. He says, Be like your father. Be like your father. Love your enemies. Pray for them. Bless the people that are trying to harm you. If you want to beat your enemy, I'm telling you the best way to do it is to bless them. You really want to overcome? You really want a victory? I'm telling you the best way, pray for them. Try to love them the best. As far as it concerns you, be at peace with everyone. These are tough words to swallow. It's hard to believe that it would really work. I mean, it sounds like a bunch of idealistic nonsense for a perfect world. God, we don't live in a perfect world. But maybe, maybe God just wants his followers to begin making it a more perfect world. By doing this kind of stuff that doesn't make sense to the world, but does it have to? I mean, there's a lot of things that don't make sense to the world that we can see clearly God's way works better. And when we're honest about this one, I think we would say his way works better. Because you've probably had experiences like I've had. Where someone says something, for instance, rude or hurtful to you. And yeah, that even happens to pastors. (laughs) Some of them, it happens a lot to them. I've been fortunate to serve at very loving and supportive churches. Some of them, your heart goes out to them for what they have to deal with. But when I received rude or hurtful comments, there have been times, I'm willing to admit it because I figure we're all, we've all been there a time or two, where I, I respond in kind. I get defensive I make a rude comment back. Every time I can remember doing that, I leave just unsettled in my spirit. It doesn't help, it doesn't bring peace. Have you ever gotten back and it really brought peace to your life? But there's also been times where people have said hurtful and rude things to me. And by God's grace, by the help of the Holy Spirit, I've responded in love and kindness, even encouragement. And then I do leave with peace. Isn't that crazy? I mean, I I respond, I don't know how they felt when they left. I have no idea if it was heaping burning coals or whatever. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what it did for them, but I know that when I left that conversation, instead of being my day being ruined for the rest of the day like it would have been, I left with peace about it. It's funny. It just seems like, time and again, when we try what God says, we find this stuff actually works. <laughs> so church, this week, Let's be bold enough to give it a try, why don't we? Let's try beating our enemy by blessing our enemy. Let's overcome evil with good. Let's pray together. Father, this is a tough one. Constantly amazed at how much higher your ways are than our ways at the way you don't just tell us to do something really difficult, but you also model it for us first. God, search our hearts. See where we've responded to our enemies the way the world has. All this that you're teaching us, Lord, it feels foreign and strange in many ways. So Holy Spirit, we're going to need your help on this in a big way. The next time, God, we're about to repay evil with evil, would you get our attention? Would you just whisper in our spirits and show us a better way? We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.